brands needed to reinvent. And to be honest, only 20% of the luxury brands has been really trying to adapt to this new acceleration when it comes to digital. So if you plan in advance to create an experience that is gonna be equally or even better than offline, you can create a massive variety within social. Everything is about personalization, everything is about experience. How do you see luxury brands working with creators and influencers to make that experience even better for the consumer? Certainly, I believe that the brands should work together in partnership with the influencers to create the right partnership. I have the best example in mind, for instance, Gucci, working with different influencers, because are the ones that are driving the growth. It's impressive, like, as soon as they do a post, the sales grow like 10% within one day. I'm Mara Genovese. I'm the founder and CMO of MG Power, and this is our Influencer Marketing Uncover podcast. Today, I'm here with Alex Velez, our campaign manager, and together, we are thrilled to be joined by Vanessa Fernandes, luxury marketing expert who's worked along top luxury brands like LVMH Group, Chanel, and now she's working for Clive Christian Perfume, and she's based in Miami. Today's episode, we will dive into how luxury brands around the world are dealing with the COVID-19 and how they're trying to innovate themselves to make sure that their brand continues to be relevant. Alex, how are you today? I'm good, Myra, and I'm so excited to be co-hosting today's episode. And thank you so much, Vanessa, uh, for joining us from Miami. I just wanted to kick off the episode of uh, today's Influencer Marketing Uncover podcast by asking you, how are you? All good, all good. Thank you. And thank you so much for inviting me. For me, it's a pleasure to be here and to be part of your full, of your podcast of Influencer Marketing Uncover. I'm very excited to learn more about you and share my experience and very happy to share this day with you. <laughs> Wonderful, Vanessa. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure to be with you today. Uh, I think it would be good if you can tell, uh, you know, our listeners about, you know, about your experience. You know, I know you have been living in Dubai, and but you are you are from Colombia, so it would be great for you know for audience to to get to know a little bit uh, about you before we start into our conversation. Sure, sure. Well, I'm originally from Venezuela. I was born and raised there. However, I have been living like, I think since 2012 abroad. I lived in London, I lived in Dubai as well in San Francisco. I stayed in Dubai for more than, for almost seven years. I come from the desert. (laughs) So I, the reason why I stay so long in Dubai is because I found fascinating the luxury industry. I really fell in love with this sector. I had the opportunity there to work with big luxury groups such as Chanel and as well LVMH group. I worked with, of course, Chanel, then Loewe, and then Givenchy and Kenzo. After almost seven years, uh, I wanted to come back closer to my roots. <laughs> so I have been here in Miami for a little bit more than a year, staying within the same industry, the luxury industry, and working now with Clive Christian Perfume. Wow, amazing. I've been to Dubai a few times. Uh, and indeed, Dubai is, is fascinating when it comes to, to luxury markets. Uh, yeah. It's uh, definitely, I'm sure you had a, an amazing experience to work 
there, especially in a group like LVMH, as, as you mentioned. So very um, excited to hear more about your experience there. Uh, but let's, you know, I would love to, to start this conversation and, and getting your perspective uh, about last year and of course the future about luxury uh, retailers. Uh, we all know that since the start of the pandemic uh, last year, now almost a year ago, uh, we saw brands, especially brands that are coming from the luxury uh, industry, trying to understand how to navigate it into you know, this new uh, way uh, of living where you know, stores are closing and customers are not be able to have the luxury experience when they come to the store. And we saw many luxury brands needing to reinvent themselves, especially the ones that are participating in fashion weeks, which is a big window uh, for those brands are the fashion week is when they get the buyers to come, you know, to Paris, Milan, and New York, you know, to see the collection and make the order. And now this, all of this, it's it's not happening. So I would love to to hear from you about how have you seen the brands uh, navigating through that, um, and what are the challenges on your perspective that they are facing? Yeah. yeah. I think what is important and where it's important to start is where is the luxury industry. So before COVID, the luxury industry was one of the fastest growing industry in the world, thanks to the millennials and as well the Chinese and all the Asian consumers. So before COVID, this luxury was around $275 billion market, and it was projected to be around $350 billion by 2023. However, it has been a great impact to all the industry, tourism, automotive, hospitality, everything, and luxury is not the exception. So the luxury industry was impacted between 25 to 30% less. They closed the sales in 2020 versus 2019, minus 35. I think this is the average. And yeah, there has been an impact dramatically in this sector. And of course, as you were mentioned, there were some store closures, more than 50% of the stores closed. There has been a big worldwide economic impact, the high level of employment, GDP's decline, all the travel restrictions. Most of the luxury is good, like the biggest impact has been driven. I mean, it's coming due to the travel retail sector, this all the channel, all the closer closures in the airports and Chinese and the main audience all the Chinese and Asians that they normally buy the luxury brands abroad. They don't buy it in Asia. First of all, because the cost is very, very high. It's higher than Europe. And on top of that, it gives an special value to buy the luxury brand in its country of origin. It that's an additional value. So with all these travel restrictions, of course, the sales went down. And on top of that, some manufacturing companies located mainly in China, Japan, Italy, Spain, and the US, they were closed. So of course, everything impacted. However, brands needed to reinvent. And uh, I think what is important to know is that uh, it's not that the luxury brands, we didn't have the plan, digital and e-commerce wise. We did have it, for, but the difference is that we did have it for five years from now. So we needed, we needed to accelerate all this process and to apply the plan even before than expected. So some brands were not ready. And to be honest, only 20% of luxury brands has been 
like really trying to adapt to this new uh, acceleration when it comes to digital. And uh, I think what the brands have been doing, first of all, is reinforcing all their heritage or the legacy, what is important to keep the loyal, loyal customers happy. On top of that, uh, moving and switching all the media investments and in-store investments, digital e-commerce, online platforms has accelerated like the growth, you have no idea, like 40% versus 2019 in most of the luxury companies. Even within the luxury industry, some sectors as the automotive, uh, hotels, uh, hospitality, jewelry, they have started to sell online. And one of the big things about the automotive, for example, is very hard to, to, to buy a car online. But for instance, I have seen uh, luxury brands as Bentley, they just did their launch in 2021. I, I forgot the name of the car, I'm not a, a car person, but they just launched it on, online, digital. And they send like VIP invites secretly by Instagram, by email to their VIP customers. And they launched the car and they are selling online. So everybody's trying to adapt. So I believe that the brands, the luxury brands that really adapt uh, and, and really plan ahead and really start switching order media investments to digital and e-commerce are the brands that are gonna survive. And another example, as you were mentioned, is the live stream. So it's okay, I understand if you are running a marathon, a race, or you're doing like a culinary a food fair, you cannot go online because you have to be there to taste, to run. But if you're a fashion brand or you're a luxury brand and you have an event, you have a catwalk, why not do it online? You cannot just put it on hold until next year until COVID, until COVID finish. I mean, because as a brand, you are going to die. It takes years to build a reputation, but it takes just one second to destroy it. So you need to keep like uh, adapting to very volatile environments. So for instance, Dior in February, they did a catwalk for the autumn winter uh, um, season. And uh, I believe that the live stream, they really work very well if you really plan it ahead. For instance, if you send invites, I know that it's, it's not the same experience to be there, have the physical presence and be the cat and seeing the catwalk. But if you receive like a bottle of champagne with some kind of piece and you invite your friends and you look at this catwalk, it's a completely different experience and the value is the same or even more. So I think the brands need to really adapt. The ones that, I, that have done it, they have done it very well, but I think this is just a start. Yeah, I think yeah. we will continue this way. Totally agree. And like talking about experience today, I've been seeing on um, a lot of posts on Instagram from um, uh, influencers that talk about luxury and fashion posting about the invitation they have received from the Louis Vuitton catwalk show. Yes. And then to your point, yes, they're showing on stories and showing on the, you know, like reels and what Louis Vuitton has sent it to them is amazing. It's like a beautiful box full of, you know, small goods and there's the champagne and like the whole preparation for this influencers to get ready for the live stream of Louis Vuitton and the variety that this invitation and all this, you know, beautiful gift that they have sent is all across social media today. 
because yes, as to your point, so if you plan in advance to create an experience that is gonna be equally or even better than offline, you can create a massive virality within social and also you can get a lot of UGC, let's say, a lot of like content before the show because you're creating the expectation prior hand for the show. So influencers are posting about that and then you have the day of the show where they're going to continue to talk about, uh, about your brand. Uh, I am like fascinated about the fact that the brands, if they wanted to innovate it and really reactively, effectively, uh, and quick about how they can, you know, uh, reinvent themselves. There's so many ways that you can do bringing the experience online. Although I do believe that the experience offline, we will still need to remain, yeah. you know, for brands like Chanel. Chanel does not sell online. You know, Chanel is all about you coming to the store and, you know, live and breathe the experience there. So how do you see uh, in the future, um, do you think we will continue to see many stores or we're gonna see less shops, but more uh, smaller ones or few ones that will gain on the actual experience that they will uh, offer to the consumers? Because I do believe that the luxury we still need to have somehow the experience. So how do you see that in the future? Because you mentioned about uh, a lot of shops closing, like, and we, we've been reading that in the end of 2022, 50% of retailers will be closing. So this 50% that will continue to be open, what's the full math that you think it's going to be looking like? Well, when I say that 50% of the store were closed, I don't mean that it was permanent. Uh, I think it will be temporarily because despite this digital transformation and acceleration, in-store still being the main channel for sales, especially in the luxury industry. Everything is about personalization. Everything is about experience. And you can notice not only in the luxury goods as well in services, like in a hotel. Why do you go to a luxury hotel? In order to get the right service and the right, and, and the right experience. So it is estimated that the in-store will continue being alive and will continue being the most important channel within the luxury industry and will account between 80 and 70% of all the business. And the Gen X, which are the baby boomers, our parents, for instance, they will continue to be using offline channels. They cannot just migrate to digital. But there is a new concept that it was already, I'm sure you have heard before, that is the omni-channel concept. People were talking about it, but it didn't take action such as fast as after the COVID, after COVID-19. So the key is to create a digital personalized experience at bay level in stores. That's called omni-channel. So there, the store should not be longer a physical store. Or, but a center of the experience. People will go to the store to discover the luxury group, the luxury group, uh, good, sorry, and as well the experience and as well the service. And they will discover this product in the store and then they will go online and buy it online. They could also buy it in the store. So there will be like sales representative there that will help the customers to buy or they will just experience the product in the store. Let's say they go to Bentley and they drive the car and they fall in love with the car. 
they don't need to buy it there. They can just go online and then they customize their car and they buy it and they purchase it online. So that's called omnichannel. So for instance, the first luxury brand that implemented this omnichannel concept was Burberry. They have the first social retail uh, store that uh, combines the physical and as well virtual reality in a digital immersive retail experience, which is in China. So I think the key for luxury brands now onwards in order to keep growing digital, but as well maintain the in-store is to use the in-store to build a relationship, to create emotions and keep uh, feeding all these uh, affiliations with your customers and as well implement digital personalizations in-store to keep connecting with the consumers and using technology. And in this way, you are targeting not only the baby boomers, but as well the millennials and then Gen Z. And as well conducting virtual events, what we were just talking about, all the live stream, like sending these very nice invites to your loyal customers and doing experiment, uh, all these experiential experience, conducting them online. Amazing. Couldn't agree more about what you mentioned about the omni-channel approach and really like yeah. taking that both in-store and the online experience. So I wanted to ask you in terms of that, because we have seen the rise of like, as you mentioned, live streaming, live shopping, that live experience that you can bring the customer into the online world. Uh, so wanted to ask you, how can you see, uh, how do you see luxury brands working with creators and influencers to make that experience even better uh, for the consumer? Well, yes. So influencers are becoming very, very important. I admit that during my career, I thought that influencers were going to die one day, one day, and I was so, so wrong. So today's influencers are every time more relevant. Influencer marketing was already popular, a popular method in digital marketing in, within the luxury industry before COVID. But now influencers are just booming because every time they, they have more relevant content to display, to show to their audience. So for instance, during the, during the quarantine, people were stuck at their home, desperate looking for some entertainment. So influencers starting to generate content, content and every time it was more interactive. So for instance, instead of posting about aspirational images about a luxury goods or, a, or a, the best trip in a luxury hotel, they were posting more about lifestyle, workouts. Suddenly everybody became a health coach, uh, a, a personal coach, new online purchase to indulge their self during the pandemic times as well. They highlight lifestyle uh, content, home spa sessions, delicious recipes, and so on. So certainly I believe that the brands should work together in partnership with the influencers to create the right partnership. And I, I have the best example in mind, for instance, Gucci, they handed their Instagram profile to the right influencers and they create a partnership. So this is allowing the influencers to post about their life, musical performance, reading, even beauty advice. And they are really, they are creating more uh, organic content, more down to air. So if you as a brand, you choose the right influencers that really meet the core values of your brand and they are creating very organic and down to earth content. I think people, uh, I think it's driving the growth. I think it's a very, very uh, significant, uh, I think important method right now to use in digital marketing. So yes, I think this is growing and we continue growing and I think it's, it should be part of the strategy.
every digital marketing strategy. So for instance, like I have a pop-up store now in LA and I'm working with different florists, different influencers, because are the ones that are driving the growth. So it's, it's impressive. Like as soon as they do a post, the sales grow like 10% within one day. They start following the trend and, and, and because now the influencers are becoming more organic, not all of them, but some, but some of them. So the, the content is real. Is real. <laughs> so I think when the consumers believe that it's organic content and the influencer is actually using the brand, not because it's being paid, but because they really like the brand, I think this is the way to go. Uh, this is where they start buying and purchasing on, 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 on the brand. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good point because we can see that um, that through the pandemic, uh, the consumer behavior has changed as well, right? So, and changing the way that everyone now is consuming much more, you know, social media than, than, than before. And I think not just the pandemic that has an effect on, on the consumer behavior, but all the movement that has happened last year with, you know, like Black Lives Matters being one of them. So I think consumers, they are being more, you know, aware of which brand they engage, uh, they engage with. Uh, they want to engage with brands that are showing, you know, value into their messaging and also working with influencers that share uh, the same value. And, the, the way that the consumer has changed is now they believe more, you know, on the people when, you know, like when they are consuming social media, they believe more on people than they believe into the brands. So if the people, the consumers are mentioned, the influencers are mentioned also of the brand, there's much more chance that the consumer will engage with the influencer rather than engage with the actually content from the brand because influence has the influence especially when they are talking with the right community, right? The right niche. Uh, so it's, it's very interesting to see, uh, you know, that luxury brands are understanding that. I think uh, to your point, before luxury brands, they were working with influencer, but now we can see that they are working much more with the influencer, but it's in a format uh, that's much more authentic than just the look of the day that was two, three years ago. That brand will just send, you know, the luxury goods, the bags, and, you know, the beautiful shoes, and the influencer will do the photo uh, very aspirational, as you said, and, and sell the look of the day and mention the brand. So now the authenticity is back, and, and to see that luxury brands are embracing that authenticity, see, and lead, letting the influencers to create their own content and trust them that they will, you know, talk about their brand uh, within their values and be creative and pass the right message. It's 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 very it's very fascinating. Uh, and yeah, one one thing that I would love to to talk to you as well because you work with seeing, uh, you know, the more on the skincare perfume side of the luxury uh, business. And to the opposite of red to wear, we saw a big increase and in impact on, you know, brands that are selling luxury brands that are selling makeup, skincare, perfumes. Why do you think that that happened? So what is your perspective like, you know, when it comes to, you know, like skincare, makeup, perfumes versus red to wear when it comes to luxury 
and the impact, the different impacts that both had. Why is it growing more than ready to wear? I think, first of all, because the price point. Secondly, because brands have reinvented. So for instance, they have created like different applications. For instance, L'Oreal Paris, uh, they create something called, before the pandemic, Modiface. Uh, it is a platform used by augmented reality. You go to the store, you make up yourself. So you want to try this lipstick color and you try and you see yourself before, before actually purchasing the product. But now they're reinventing uh, with applications. So L'Oreal as well, they create signature faces that before having a video call, for instance, now I can use this application, I can make up myself for this interview or, or for social media. So they are giving the consumers the opportunity to discover and to try the makeup and skincare before purchasing without the need to go to the store. So I think this has been, within all the luxury industry, this category has been the one that have adapted the better. I, in my personal opinion, this one and the one of uh, and the and the ready to wear, and on top of that, uh, before the pandemic, the beauty and fragrance category was the fastest growing in the market, especially skincare, because people consumers are now becoming more aware about skincare why it's important for you, why you need to have the right skin, the healthy skin. So they are becoming more aware about. Uh, why it's important and why it's essential to have a very healthy uh, skincare. And with the globalization, they are adopting different traditions from the Asian market. I don't know if you know, but they apply at least seven different steps for skincare. So with YouTube and all social media channels, they are getting more informed about the importance of the right skincare. And that's why this has been the fastest growing category within the luxury industry. Yes, no, it's, uh, it's, we, we work with a few clients from, from the skincare and makeup industry, and uh, especially from the clean beauty industry, uh, because more and more people also, now consumers are getting more you know, aware about the importance of, uh, think about not just that you have to take care of your skin, but also like what you're putting on your skin. So we exactly. see an incredible increase on clean beauty brands uh, engaging with the influencer marketing and helping, you know, to educate the consumer on the importance of not just, you know, take care of the skin, but also think before you buy your skincare and make sure that you buy, you know, something that right. is capable, that is clean, that is good for your skin. Uh, and yeah. definitely we will continue to see this uh, growing uh, this year, uh, which is, uh, it's, it's incredible. And a question uh, that I will also like for me getting to your experience within the luxury industry, the impact uh, that you saw from your perspective, because you're in the US, right? And, but you are from South America, from Venezuela, and also you, you lived in Dubai. So when you look at like from, from the, the, this key market that you have been working, do you think the impact on luxury brands are equally the same for each market? Or you think that, you know, for example, Dubai has been less effective or you think it's universal? Well, the impact has been universal, uh, but most of the impact 
at the beginning now, China is already open and, and Asian markets are the ones that are open right now. So the growth is driven today by those markets. But if you take a look through all the pandemic history until now, the market that has been more impacting is the Asian one. First of all, because well, was the one to get the pandemic and the one that do uh, that did all the lockdown. Secondly, the travel restrictions, they were not able to travel. And normally their purchase on luxury is done abroad. They don't buy luxury goods in China or in Asia. They buy it either in airports or they go to the country from to Paris, to Spain, to, uh, to Paris, to Madrid, sorry, and they buy the luxury good there. Uh, so with all the travel restrictions, they were not purchasing. And 40% of our, uh, of our, our, our sales or our business is driven by Asians. So this was the most, most impacted. Then Europe, of course, all the manufacturing companies, most of the manufacturing companies are based there. So with all the lockdown, they needed to close. I think and after Europe, the less, less impacted has been the US. The US because uh, I'm, I'm still impressed. Like we are a luxury brand. I mean, haven't gone negative. Uh, we are still like, even the worst, worst case scenario, we are flat versus target. But we are, our numbers are positive. Uh, people are still buying online. I think here the online culture is very, it's not very well developed, but it's more developed than the rest of the world. And uh, yeah, and, and, and there are some states, for instance, Florida, Texas, that they haven't closed. So uh, people are still going up, going outside and doing their purchase and buying online. Even in California, there was a lockdown and I, we just launched a pop-up and people were buying, were purchasing from us. So I think it has been the less, less impacted. And talking about Dubai, uh, Dubai is another story. <laughs> I think people are actually now going to Dubai like all the people from Europe, the ones that are in lockdown, uh, they want to, yeah, to have some holidays to go outside Europe and the place they're going is to Dubai. It's open, they were in lockdown, but not such as strict as Europe. Of course, the population is more and more less, much more less, and, but, uh, but yeah, but uh, people are going now to Dubai to, to do all the purchase. For instance, we have another pop-up store there at Mall of the Emirates and, and it's booming. It's booming because all of the Asians, all of the Europeans are there and they are buying there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, uh, that's fascinating in terms of like Dubai. I know that uh, a few weeks back, there was a, a bit of a scandal for like a lot of, you know, uh, you mentioned that a lot of uh, influencers from Europe, creators from Europe escaping lockdown and going into Dubai and just, you know, the restrictions there are not... Uh, are not the same. Uh, so uh, that's very fascinating how the markets perform differently uh, during lockdown. Yeah. And I wanted to return back to something that we spoke about earlier, which is kind of like the consumer age demographic. And uh, because a lot of brands speak about, you know, Gen Z, about millennials, but actually the people who have the buying power are the older generation, the baby movers, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast. So just yeah. wanted to ask you about what have you seen uh, has worked best with targeting that older demographic uh, by luxury brands? I think what has worked best with them is the omnichannel method. Uh, we cannot go completely digital for this generation, generation X or baby boomers, 
but they are they are revising social media like even my dad he's 74 years old and he goes to social media and he checks different ads so they are getting informed in social media but actually they are doing their purchases still in store so that's why in store keeps being the main uh, channel within the luxury industry but we need uh, to do like different personalizations and omnichannel personalizations in order to keep engaging these consumers so for instance, I did a live portrait. I don't know if you know what is live portrait, but the consumers, they go to the store, they draw you and they give you the, your portrait. So we're doing the same for digital. So you go to the store, you are a 60 years old man, you go to the store, you want to have your portrait, they take your picture and they send it to you by email. So we're trying to adapt, keeping the in-store presence, but as well digital. And Another strategy, and I think this is the core main strategy uh, during the pandemic and after, what luxury brands they need to do is they need to strengthen their heritage, their core values, and their legacy. So, because what made a luxury brand works and their main audience are the loyal customers, are the gen, uh, for now is the gen X, uh, but yeah, I think in the future will be more the millennials and the gen Z. But if you are, you have a strong values, core values, heritage and legacy, you will continue to have, have your loyal customer. And even after the pandemic, you will continue having sales and you will continue having your, your demographic, your audience there. Only the brands that really work on strengthening their values, their heritage and the legacy are the brands that will survive. Vanessa, and what about social commerce? What's your view on social commerce? On like, of course, e-commerce, as we discussed it early here, e-commerce will continue to to grow, right? So there's uh, there's something that uh, you know there's uh, there's no doubt about it. But now we're talking much more about social commerce. Yeah. Uh, do you see social commerce being one of the drivers for luxury brands uh, in the future? Uh, you just mentioned that you open a pop-up. That is, it, it is interesting to hear that your company is still investing on offline projects yeah. these days. Uh, yeah. But that means that, as you said, the, the pop-up in Dubai it's is busy. You're selling loads. So because each the the effect of the pandemic, of course, is universal, but the restriction of the lockdown has been very different between market to market right so it's interesting to see that in dubai you are investing as a brand on a pop-up but it's something that you wouldn't do here in europe because in europe is super strict right now everything is closed you cannot go anywhere so you see that markets like europe the social commerce will play uh, a big role uh in terms of revenue and sales and to continue to to grow business yeah, so I think that commerce, uh, it's very, very important. It's a crucial channel to keep the sales up, communicating with the customers, um, forging a sense of community around the brand. So focus on customer activation rather than brand building aside, aside from enhancing your own websites and also consider partnership with key retailers. So for instance, uh, after and before the pandemic, there are some uh, luxury retailers like Netaporter, uh, you have now the real real you have different luxury retailers as well Saks, neiman marcus they have they are they are growing in 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 e-commerce so i think for the luxury brand is key to partnership with them to partner with them and 
So e-commerce is booming. So I remember when I started my career in the luxury industry, most of the luxury brands were not allowed to go e-commerce. If you sell online, you are de diminishing the brand. Today, it's a completely different concept. Like if you are not online, like I don't know where you are going. So, um, so I think it's very important. It's very important for the brands to keep the balance between offline, but as well go to e-commerce. E-commerce e is growing very, very fast. Uh, before the pandemic, it used to account 10% of the business of every luxury brand. Today, it's accounting 20 and 25%, and it's expected to go up to 40 in 2025. So I think it's a very important channel. Um, I realize that most of the companies are even hiring uh, um, an e-commerce person just to take care in detail, in attention only to this department, to this area. So e-commerce is very, very important. Do you believe that live streaming shopping as well is the future? Because uh, I am a person that truly believe that shop, shop streaming uh, will be, you know, it's now. Like I, I, I keep telling our clients, like let's start thinking about live streaming shopping because mm -hmm. the way of you engage your consumer and getting purchased live. Uh, and we saw that live streaming shopping, it's, it's huge already in China. Like we look at, you know, uh, e-commerce sites like Alibaba in China. So they, they are one of the pioneers when it comes to shop live streaming. And now we're seeing more and more of this coming to Europe and US. And I'm truly like believe that, you know, brands that do, do not jump into live streaming shopping soon, they are, they are missing a huge opportunity here when it comes to engage with our consumers and sales. Do you also believe that live streaming shopping is not just the future, but it's the now? Is the now? and will be the future is we are just starting to discover this new world and i do hear people saying like when we call when we go back to normal life i think we're not going back to normal life i think we're living the normal life right now i think like we will stay this this have changed drastically our behavior the consumer lifestyle and the way they act they think they behave so i completely agree with you i believe that live stream purchase is something new and it will be the it will be developing in the next coming year there are such big brands i think gucci they live a, they they did a live stream a pop-up um gucci makeup they just opened in t mall which is part of alibaba is a it's like an online shopping center where luxury brands but if you go online it doesn't look like luxury but people are actually buying there like asians are buying like crazy there um Another brand, I think uh, LV, they just opened a pop-up store online, a virtual pop-up store for St. Valentine's, where you can have like consultations with dedicated sales staff and they give you like the best recommendations and everything is online. So uh, yeah, for sure. So this is the now, this is the future and we are just starting. And it's so, so convenient. And especially for millennials and Gen Z, which is the future of luxury brands, so, so convenient to stay at your home and have your personalized consultation at home and get your best LV back just uh, from your home and get the advice, the best personalized advice from home. So I think, yeah, yeah, we we'll definitely, we will stay here. <laughs> definitely.
couldn't agree more with what you said in terms, especially in terms of mentioning that what we're living now, this is the new normality. This is what we and also brands need to uh, get used to. So just wanted to ask in your perspective and in your experience, if you had to advise luxury brands on how they can navigate this new normality and uh, embrace that within their digital strategies, what would you say would be the, let's say, five things you would uh, advise them to do? Yeah, I think the brands in order to survive and to best adapt to this new era during and after COVID is first, strengthening their heritage, legacy, and core values. You need to keep your key customers, your loyal customers satisfied. You need to keep them because they are the ones that really make your brand. Uh, then listen to your audience, Asian markets, Gen Z and millennials, and without forgetting the Gen X, of course, because in-store keeps playing a big role within luxury industries. As well, switching the media investments from, I mean, from media to digital. Some brands are still struggling, are still waiting for the normal life to come. It will not come. So you need to switch your investments from media to digital, even tire magazines such as Vogue, uh, Happers, Bazaar, uh, what else, uh, Real Reports, they become digital. Press is dying. So everything is becoming digital. So I don't see why brands should, uh, should keep like stopping themselves in order to move in digital. And as well, my last advice is going strong on e-commerce. There are some brands that they are just starting some brands that they haven't started going e-commerce that they are just selling offline. So I think they should reconsider their strategy and go in e-commerce because this is the future, uh, the same as virtual events, live streaming. Uh, yeah, so digital e-commerce is the future. <laughs> and influencer marketing, let's not forget about- And influencer marketing, of course, of course. Yeah, influencer marketing. So this enter into the digital because it's a digital method. So let's partner with influencers and do a lot of, di of digital strategies with them. I think it's key. It's part yeah. of the digital strategy that brands- It's connected with all the things. It's interconnected with everything you said, working yeah. with influencers in order to bridge yeah. that gap, in order yeah. to connect the e-commerce, connect the listening to the customers and kind of close the whole loop. Exactly, exactly. So when I say digital, I mean, Digital, not only investing in your website or doing partnership with e-retailers, but as well as social media, influencers, live stream, virtual events, going digital. Amazing. Vanessa, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today and very interesting uh, conversation. And I'm very much looking forward to see what the future holds for, for luxury industry, but not just for luxury industry that we discussed at the beginning, for every industry. But specifically, I am interested to see how, you know, luxury industry will evolve and will, you know, react it and see what they will bring into this, this, new, this new normality as we have been discussing. But as your advice has said, there's so many possibilities right now that you can still make your brand relevant if you're looking, as you said, into your heritage and your values and also collaborating with the right voices, right? Because influencer marketing is not just about working with any influencer, it's all about working with the right influencer that will resonate to your brand, that we have the brand fit 
and ex and have the same value, you know, as, as the brand. It, it's, it's so important when it comes to the selection uh, of the influencer. Pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much for your time. And, you know, so great to have a guest all the way from Miami to talk <laughs> to with us about, you know, like the markets that you have been working and all your experience. Thank you so much and appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for the invitation again. It was such a pleasure having this call with you and looking forward to see what the future brings us. <laughs> Absolutely. And thank you everyone that has been tuning in today, listening to our Influencer Marketing Uncover podcast. Hope you have enjoyed our conversation and very much looking forward to see you soon again. Alex, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to have you co-hosting this podcast with me. Thank you, Myra. Absolute pleasure. And thank you so much, uh, Vanessa, for joining us. And uh, I would ask all the listeners as well to subscribe and tune in uh, to this amazing episode and all the others to come. Great, great. Sounds great. Thank you so much.